Section 35 of The Broad Highway. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ellen Preckle. The Broad Highway by Geoffrey Farnall. Chapter 29. In which Charmian answers my question. Peter! Yes? I wish you wouldn't. Wouldn't what, Charmian? Stir your tea round and round and round. It's really most exasperating. I beg your pardon, said I humbly. And you eat nothing, and that is also exasperating. I am not hungry. And I was so careful with the bacon. See, it is fried. Beautifully. Yes, you are very exasperating, Peter. Here, finding I was absent-mindedly stirring my tea round and round again, I gulped it down out of the way whereupon Charmian took my cup and refilled it, having done which she set her elbows upon the table, and propping her chin in her hands looked at me. "'You climbed out through your window last night, Peter?' "'Yes.' "'It must have been a dreadfully tight squeeze.' "'Yes.' "'And why did you go by the window? I did not wish to disturb you.' "'That was very thoughtful of you, only, you see, I was up and dressed. The roar of the thunder woke me. It was a dreadful storm, Peter.' "'Yes. The lightning was awful.' Yes. And you were out in it? Yes. Oh, you poor, poor Peter! How cold you must have been! On the contrary, I began. I— And wet, Peter, miserably wet and clammy. I did not notice, I murmured. Being a philosopher, Peter, and too much engrossed in your thoughts? I was certainly thinking. Of yourself? Yes. You are a great egoist, aren't you, Peter? Am I, Charmian? Who but an egoist could stand with his mind so full of himself and his own concerns as to be oblivious to thunder and lightning, and not know that he is miserable, clammy, and wet? I thought of others beside myself. But only in connection with yourself. Everything you have ever read or seen you apply to yourself, to make that self more worthy in Mr. Vibart's eyes. Is this worthy of Peter Vibart? Can Peter Vibart do this, that, or the other, and still retain the respect of Peter Vibart? Then why, being in all things so very correct and precise, why is Peter Vibart given to prowling abroad at midnight, quite oblivious to thunder, lightning, wet, and clamminess? I answer, because Peter Vibart is too much engrossed by Peter Vibart. There! That sounds rather cryptic and very full of Peter Vibart, but that is as it should be. And she laughed. And what does it mean, Charmian? Good sir, the Sibyl hath spoken. Find her meaning for yourself. You have called me on various occasions a creature, a pedant, very frequently a pedant, and now it seems I'm an egoist, and all because—' "'Because you think too much, Peter. You never open your lips without having first thought out just what you are going to say. You never do anything without having laboriously mapped it all out beforehand, that you may not outrage Peter Vibart's tranquillity by an impulsive act or speech. Oh! You are always thinking and thinking—' and that is even worse than stirring and stirring at your tea as you are doing now. I took the spoon hastily from my cup and laid it as far out of reach as possible. If ever you write the book you once spoke of, it would be just the sort of book that I should hate. Why, Charmian? Because it would be a book of artfully turned phrases, a book in which all the characters, especially women, would think and speak and act by rote and rule, as according to Mr. Peter Vibart. It would be a scholarly book of elaborate finish and care of detail, with no irregularities of style, or anything else to break the monotonous harmony of the whole. Indeed, sir, it would be a most unreadable book. Do you think so, Charmian? said I once more, taking up the teaspoon. 
"'Why, of course,' she answered with raised brows. "'It would probably be full of Greek and Latin quotations. "'And you would polish and rewrite "'until you had polished every vestige of life "'and spontaneity out of it, "'as you do out of yourself with your thinking and thinking.' "'But I never quote you Greek or Latin. "'That is surely something. "'And as for thinking, "'would you have me a thoughtless fool or an impulsive ass?' anything rather than a calculating introspective philosopher seeing only the mote in the sunbeam and nothing of the glory here she gently disengaged the teaspoon from my fingers and laid it in her own saucer having done which she sighed and looked at me with her head to one side were they all like you peter i wonder those old philosophers grim and stern and terribly repressed with burning eyes peter and very long chins epictetus was of course and you dislike epictetus charmian I detest him. He was just the kind of person, Peter, who, being unable to sleep, would have wandered out into a terrible thunderstorm in the middle of the night, and being cold and wet and clammy, Peter, would have drawn moral lessons and made epigrams upon the thunder and lightning. Epictetus, I am sure, was a person. He was one of the wisest, gentlest, and most lovable of all the Stoics, said I. Can a philosopher possibly be lovable, Peter? Here I very absent-mindedly took up a fork, but finding her eye upon me laid it down again. You are very nervous, Peter, and very pale and worn and haggard, and all because you habitually overthink yourself. And indeed there is something very far wrong with a man who perseveringly stirs an empty cup with a fork, and with a laugh she took my cup and, having once more refilled it, set it before me. And yet, Peter, I don't think, no, I don't think I would have you very much changed after all. You mean that you would rather I remained the pedantic, egotistical creature? I mean, Peter, that being a woman I naturally love novelty, and you are very novel, and very interesting. Thank you, said I, frowning, and more contradictory than any woman. Hm, said I. You are so strong and simple, so wise and brave, so very weak and foolish and timid. Timid? said I. Timid, nodded she. I am a vast fool, I acknowledged and I never knew a man anything like you before, Peter. And you have known many, I understand. Very many. Yes, you told me so once before, I believe. Twice, Peter, and each time you became very silent and gloomy. Now you, on the other hand, she continued, have known very few women, and my life has been calm and unruffled in consequence. You had your books, Peter, and your horseshoes. My books and horseshoes, yes. And were content? Quite content until one day a woman came to you until one day i met a woman and then and then i asked her to marry me charmian here there ensued a pause during which charmian began to pleat a fold in the tablecloth that was rather unwise of you wasn't it said she at last how unwise because she might have taken you at your word peter do you mean that that you won't charmian oh dear no i have arrived at no decision yet how could i you must give me time to consider here she paused in her pleading to regard it critically, with her head on one side. "'To be sure,' said she, with a little nod, "'to be sure you need some one to look after you. That is very evident. Yes.' "'To cook and wash for you?' "'Yes.' "'To mend your clothes for you?' "'Yes.' "'And you think me sufficiently competent?' "'Oh, Charmian, I—' "'Yes.' "'Thank you,' said she, very solemnly, and though her lashes had drooped, I felt the mockery of her eyes— Wherefore I took a sudden great gulp of tea and came near choking, while Charmian began to pleat another fold in the tablecloth. And so Mr. Vibart would stoop to wed so humble a person as Charmian Brown. Mr. Vibart would, actually, 
marry a woman of whose past he knows nothing yes said i that again would be rather unwise wouldn't it why considering mr vibart's very lofty ideals in regard to women what do you mean didn't you once say that your wife's name must be above suspicion like caesar's or something of the kind did i yes perhaps i did well well this woman this humble person has no name at all and no shred of reputation left her she has compromised herself beyond all redemption in the eyes of the world but then said i this world and i have always mutually despised each other she ran away this woman eloped with the most notorious the most accomplished rake in london well oh is that not enough enough for what charmian i saw her busy fingers falter and tremble but her voice was steady when she answered enough to make any wise man think twice before asking this humble person to marry him i might think twenty times and it would be all one you mean that if charmian brown will stoop to marry a village blacksmith peter vibart will find happiness again a happiness that is not of the sunshine nor the wind in the trees lord what a fool i was her fingers had stopped altogether now but she neither spoke nor raised her head charmian said i leaning nearer across the table speak oh peter said she with a sudden break in her voice and stooped her head lower yet in a little she looked up at me and her eyes were very sweet and shining now as our glances met thus up from throat to brow there crept that hot slow wave of colour and in her face and in her eyes i seemed to read joy and fear and shame and radiant joy again but now she bent her head once more and strove to plead another fold and could not while i grew suddenly afraid of her and of myself and longed to hurl aside the table that divided us and thrust my hands deep into my pockets and finding there my tobacco pipe brought it out and fell to turning it aimlessly over and over i would have spoken only i knew that my voice would tremble so i sat mum chance staring at my pipe with unseeing eyes and with my brain in a ferment and presently came her voice cool and sweet and sane your tobacco peter and she held the box toward me across the table ah thank you said i and began to fill my pipe while she watched me with her chin propped in her hands peter yes charmian i wonder why so grave a person as mr peter vibart should seek to marry so impossible a creature as the humble person i think i answered i think if there is any special reason it is because of your mouth my mouth or your eyes or the way you have with your lashes charmian laughed and forthwith drooped them at me and laughed again and shook her head but surely peter surely there are thousands millions of women with mouths and eyes like the humble persons it is possible said i but none who have the same way with their lashes what do you mean i can't tell i don't know don't you peter no it is just a way and so it is that you want to marry this very humble person i think i have wanted to from the very first but did not know it being a blind fool and did it need a night walk in a thunderstorm to teach you no that is yes perhaps it did and are you quite quite sure quite quite sure said i and as i spoke i laid my pipe upon the table and rose and because my hands were trembling i clenched my fists but as i approached her she started up and put out a hand to hold me off and then i saw that her hands were trembling also and standing thus she spoke very softly peter yes charmian do you remember describing to me the perfect woman who should be your wife yes 
how that you must be able to respect her for her intellect yes honour her for her virtue yes charmian and worship her for her spotless purity i dreamed a paragon perfect and impossible i was a fool said i impossible oh peter w what do you mean she was only an impalpable shade quite impossible of realization a bloodless thing as you said and quite unnatural a sickly figment of the imagination i was a fool and you are too wise now to expect such virtues in any woman yes said i N no oh charmian i only know that you have taken this phantom's place that you fill all my thoughts sleeping and waking no no she cried and struggled in my arms so that i caught her hands and held them close and kissed them many times oh charmian charmian don't you know can't you see it is you i want you and only you forever whatever you were whatever you are i love you love you and always must marry me charmian marry me and you shall be dearer than my life more to me than my soul but as i spoke her hands were snatched away her eyes blazed into mine and her lips were all bitter scorn and at the sight fear came upon me marry you she panted marry you no and no and no and so she stamped her foot and sobbed and turning fled from me out of the cottage and now to fear came wonder and with wonder was despair truly was ever man so great a fool end of in which charmian answers my question